Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. Nice to chat with you. This episode is brought to you by Live Casino. As always, I'm recording this around noon on Monday. And we have a Super Bowl set. So there's going to be two weeks of all kinds of Super Bowl matchups and whatnot. Uh, crazy weekend, crazy Sunday, obviously. Um, I'm going to mention some stuff there in the second half of the pod. But I didn't have a chance to chat with you guys since uh, Mr. Rooney's press conference last week. And I wanted to start there and just one big nugget from it is, first of all, no surprise here, but Mr. Rooney was very calculated, precise with his words, you know, has a plan coming into these things, says things that if you've been listening to this organization for as many years as me and you and most have, you can read through the tea leaves a little bit of what he's happy with, what he's not. And first of all, I'm not sure we've had this conversation enough in terms of Steeler ownership, but unlike Owners have the final say and every they own the team. You know, they're billionaires, they own the team, they're the boss. But more so than just about any organization out there, you know, like a lot of people are talking about, well, Kevin Colbert's gone, are they gonna do things a lot differently? They may view players differently, they may evaluate players differently, they may have more of a salary cap look on things, they may value linemen more than Kevin did, or vice versa, or who knows. But <laughs> and when you talk to people in the organization or you're around it as much as I am, you quickly realize that all big decisions go through the man at the end of the hall, Mr. Rooney. So I don't think his outlook on the team or winning or anything has changed, no matter who's working for him. So never forget that there's been one man, his father and his father before him, that have had the final say forever. And that's the way it works. And every big decision, a Minka Fitzpatrick trade, things like that are always going to be run by him. And if he doesn't like it, they ain't doing it. So I want to talk about his press conference a little bit. And the one thing I really want to stress, though, isn't, you know, a lot of what he said. But there was a couple times, and I don't remember it exactly. This has been five days ago or whatever. But he said the words, score more points. Very vividly, if you go back and watch it, and very deliberately. And there's been some mandates from the top with this organization over the years. And I remember I've been lucky enough that at the draft, most years he comes and sits down with usually Dale and I, and we get 15, 20 minutes with Mr. Rooney talking about this draft class, where the team is, etc. There was a time when Things were getting a little off the rails with AB and Lev and we'll just call them big personalities where the mandate from above was we're going to get high character dudes. And I remember that draft class. I think it was the Watt class. One of the first things out of his mouth when we sat down with him was we got a lot of team captains. We got a lot of leaders. We got a lot of really solid individuals. I think that was Connor and Sutton and those guys. And that proved to be true, you know, just a couple of years ago and maybe even two years ago, running the football was going to become, you know, it was the big theme from above. We need to run the football better. You know, basically just a, a short sentence. We need to run the football better. And it's come around, took a while, but it, it came around here in the second half of the season. Well, the thing that stuck with me, obviously, in this last one was score more points. 
because they talked a lot about Canada and should he be back and, you know, basically said, yeah, we're comfortable with him, but we need to score more points. You know, like he doesn't care about, well, I'm sure he does, but I'm speaking for the owner of the Steelers. I don't mean to do it that way. You know, I take things to, boy, they need to be more, they need to create more explosive plays. Their round concepts need to get better, blah, 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 blah. That's not his job. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't know football, but he hires people to do that. But in the end, they need to score more points. So if you think that the offseason is going to have a theme, you know, boy, they need to get more linemen. Better draft a corner in the first round. Is it going to be tackle or corner? The theme of the offseason, folks, has just been laid out there for you. Score more points. So, yes, they're bringing back Matt Canada. That doesn't mean they're married to him for the next 50 years. And I would like to see, brought this up to you guys a couple times, that when the dust settles here with these coaching hires and now the two more teams are eliminated, it's Super Bowl week, everyone's gathering in Mobile. We'll talk some Senior Bowl stuff too. So a lot gets done because a high portion of the league are all in the same city, all in the same areas, going to the bars together, setting up meetings, hires, fires, things like that. I would love to see an offensive senior assistant. I'm just making up a title or passing game coordinator or sometimes they call them assistant head coach or whatever, something on the offensive side of the ball to help score more points, but also to, hey, if this Canada fella isn't getting things done, we're going to hand it to new guy because I'm not sure who that is on the staff right now. So when we talk about offseason needs and should they go sign Deron Payne or Tremaine Edmonds? Yeah, but never get outside the the lens of score more points. And I'm hoping the next move with the team is some sort of coach, assistant coach, senior assistant coach on the offensive side of the ball to help that. Because I know a lot of people, and myself included, weren't thrilled to hear Matt Canada's coming back. But that doesn't mean they're just going to run it back exactly the same or he's going to have the same responsibility. I mean, score more points is going to be the top goal of this organization from now until training camp opens, folks. So sometimes press conferences and uh, player quotes, I often ignore, to be very honest with you. But sometimes you can pull one big nugget out of there, especially with this ownership And don't think for one minute that's going to be something we should ignore as analysts and fans and whatnot. So I'm going to take a quick break and we will come back with a little bit of wrap up from the championship games. I'm going to put a little bit of a Steeler spin on one thing, too. So uh, over and out. I'll be back here in a moment. I'm sure, I'm not sure how many of you follow me on Twitter, at Williamson NFL, but I'm sure there's a portion. So I sent this tweet out as Eagles Niners was completing, and I'm going to read it verbatim. The Eagles get to the Super Bowl by beating a bad Giants team and this version of the Niners. They also had the easiest regular season schedule in the league. There's no opinion there. 
I mean, I think I just put three facts out there. They beat a bad Giants team. As playoff teams go, that Giants team was bad. I know they beat the Vikings, but that is not a good playoff opponent. And the Niners didn't have anybody could throw a football. I mean, they really didn't. I mean, it got to the point where nobody on their team could throw the football. Um, I think the Niners lose that game anyway. And oh, by the way, I picked the Eagles to win that game. Um, I've been saying all along, I think the Eagles are probably the best team in the league. I'm an Eagles believer. And in terms of easiest regular season schedule, of course, many people wrote back, well, the Niners had an easier schedule than the Eagles. And if you just tally wins and losses, that was true. The Niners opponents ended up with worse record than the Eagles opponent. But you got, you know me, I'm a little bit more of a advanced metric kind of guy. When you look at DVOA, the for football outsiders, the Niners had the 31st toughest schedule, which means the second easiest, and the Eagles had 32. They were the easiest schedule in the league. So where am I going with this? Well, first of all, oh, I didn't even say this part. I've never sent a tweet out and I have 52,000 followers and I've been doing this for 15 or 18 years. I've been on Twitter or whatever. And I'm not a huge Twitter person. I've never had a tweet that I put out, get more responses, more hatred thrown my way. And I knew I was going to catch a little of that. The timing was rough. You know, everyone, you're a hater. You're, you're terrible. You, you don't know what you're talking about. You can only play the teams in front of you. I had no skin in the game. I'm not even fighting for the Eagles, against the Eagles. Frankly, I bet on the Eagles. I was happy they won. You know, I mean, so it amazes me that, and trust me, those are the kind things. Is you can only play the teams in front of you. You know, all I was putting out there is facts. And I'm not defending myself. I don't care. I didn't do anything wrong. Um, but it amazed me how much nastiness came back my way. You're just jealous. You know, your team's terrible. I mean, I didn't even know who my team is or care. But where I'm going with this is, Bo, by the way, in terms of strength of schedule, I mentioned Philly was 32, San Fran was 31, Steelers were two. Only the Jets played a more difficult schedule this year than the Steelers. Now, am I comparing the Steelers to the Niners or Eagles in terms of how good a football team they are in 2022? No, they would get beat up bad by either one of those healthy teams. I firmly believe that. But where I'm going with this is not to defend the organization, Steelers, but there's a lot of, boy, the Steelers haven't won a playoff game in X amount of years. And that, too, is a fact. That is indefensible. It is true. That's a fact. I mean, you go into the courtroom saying this. These are facts. It's not an opinion whatsoever. But as I do this more and more, I look at these games and I look at playoff games and maybe I'm just older, little, I mean, definitely not wiser. But anyway, my point is winning playoff games is so hard in the NFL. Like I watch a fair amount of hockey. I, I turn on NBA in the, in the playoffs. I don't watch baseball anymore. The Pirates are dead to me. But the you have a bad game or a, an unforeseen injury in those series you get to go home at night and figure it out. You know, like so much things go wrong at this most violent sport that winning a playoff game should be a successful season for any team. Chiefs, Niners, Eagles, Bengals, who I all thought were the best teams in the league. If you win a playoff game, it's a good year. 
let alone getting to the dance. And where I'm going with this with the Eagles is they may have had the easiest slate of opponents from week one to Super Bowl that any Super Bowl team has had. Doesn't diminish anything. Where I'm going with this is you need every bounce to make these things work. It's so hard. You need a quarterback to get hurt here and there somewhere on the road. You need to stay healthy on the O-line or catch a ball off your helmet like David Tyree. I mean, it's just craziness how difficult it is to win a playoff game to even get to the final four in this league. Again, that's not defending the Steelers, but they've had some bounces along the way. It didn't go their way and whatnot, and they had a very tough schedule this year. It looks like next year's will be much easier. So I think the Eagles and Niners are the best two teams in the the NFC and maybe in the whole league. But the fact that they had an easy path doesn't diminish it. It just helps. I mean, every bounce you can get, every injury you can avoid, every it's just such a thin line. And I even referenced the, you know, it's the 50th year of the Dolphins undefeated team. Well, if you go look at their regular season schedule, it was the easiest in the league. Does that mean it was a lesser accomplishment? Of course not. It really doesn't, but it helps. It sure helps. That's all I'm going with this. And lastly, let's go over the AFC game. Perfect example. Mahomes was hobbled coming in, didn't show up as much, but got more and more hobbled as the game went on. Clearly, they didn't run the ball at all. Neither one of the teams ran the ball, actually. I mean, if you look at the stats, if you take the Burrow scrambles out, basically both teams ran for like 40 yards traditionally. So it was all on the quarterbacks. Mahomes was not physically up to his usual standards, obviously missed some throws, You could see him hobbling around, you know, I mean, didn't take a genius to figure that out. Then he loses wide receiver after wide receiver. You know, Tony goes out. Juju goes out. He's thrown to dudes I'd never heard of. Kemp. I don't know who that guy even is. Um, So, again, just all the things you have to overcome to go to the Super Bowl or even win a playoff game. And the same was true for the Bengals. Bengals couldn't block a soul. I mean, Chris Jones could get to the quarterback anytime he wanted. The right side of the O-line was like me and you out there blocking. So that wasn't a huge shock. You know, I mean, I knew they did well in Buffalo the week before, but you had to worry about the O-line coming into this game. But they, (laughs) I mean, when they threw the ball, they had to keep a tight end and a running back in. I mean, they're running like two-man route concepts, three-man route concepts, and that's not how Burrow wants to operate, you know? So that was a huge thing to overcome. And for the first time in his career, I kind of thought Burrow was rattled to start this game, that he was swimming a little bit in that, boy, we can't block anyone. I'm in a sea of red and they taste blood. Uh, you know, I thought that this Chiefs team, team might blow them out. I mean, when we're, we're about halfway through the first quarter or maybe even deeper into the, into the first half, I'm thinking we just saw a blowout in the NFC side. We might see a blowout here. But the Bengals, you got to give them credit. I mean, their defense held them to field goals early on. That game could have been 20 nothing before you know it. And it was 6 nothing, And then I think it was 13-7 at the half. And my point is the Bengals, led by Burrow, of course, are hard to kill. They're a cockroach. And they've showed that time and time again. Unfortunately, the Asai penalty knocking Mahomes out, you know, late hit, which – you had to throw. I felt so bad for the young man. 
maybe they make the kick anyway, but it robbed us of overtime. I mean, it gave the Chiefs a much easier kick. They probably wouldn't have made the kick without the penalty. Brutal way for a really good game to end. But it just shows how hard it is to win a game. You know, I mean, I give the Bengals all the credit in the world because they were in trouble. They were on the ropes taking haymakers, but they didn't go down. Their defense stuck around, held them to field goals. They started to figure some things out. And again, they're just hard to kill. And as is Mahomes, you know, so how about that? So that's what I whipped up for today's podcast. Just a couple notes from the weekend. We haven't chatted in a while. Um, I will be back tomorrow. It is Senior Bowl week, as I mentioned. Perfect time for me to learn more and more about draft prospects. Uh, I know a bunch of people that are down there. I didn't go this year, but I will be checking out all the heights and weights will be coming out here real soon. That's a good first step. Uh, I'll be watching all the practices that are televised. I think there's good coverage this year, as well as reading tons of stuff and talking to people as well. Also going to put together a uh, free agent list of uh, guys the Steelers should look at. That may even be my Wednesday article. So that's a wrap for today. Over and out. Over and out.